Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. and better than ever all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contest but online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your bonus. Again, that's B-L-E-A-V to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. And today is Monday, October 11th, and we have uh, a very special episode, episode 41 of season three. And it is all about the different streaming options uh, that you currently have access to, uh, whether it be for entertainment, media, or sports content. And we're kind of going to walk through some of that while also looking at how we kind of got to where we are today with a lot of these streaming options, what this might look like in the future, and then also looking at some of the deals that currently exist in the, in the space for consumers. So if you're worried about subscribing to too many platforms, if you're worried about paying for too many platforms, uh, this is going to be the show that discusses uh, essentially all of that. So... I think what we'll start is this sort of idea of uh, this idea of what you need to know about streaming services, right? You know, we have so many different options these days, and we're often sort of left to wonder uh, what streaming service do we subscribe to? You know, I, I think at one point Netflix was really the only uh, the only player in town. Uh, they also had the benefit of the first mover advantage in, in business which essentially just means the first business to move into a space. Uh, and they've dominated, and they dominated for at least 10 years, uh, if not more. And it was, you know, for the first 10 years, they were the only game out there, really. And it wasn't until Disney and Netflix came along, um, or sorry, Disney and Amazon came along, and uh, they began to uh, challenge the dominance of Netflix. And now, uh, and obviously Disney was always a studio, but now they have Disney plus Amazon was a distribution company and uh, they now have a studio. And of course, Disney's done it, done their um, platform engagement and expansion through their massive library of content, plus the addition of ESPN and using that, the addition of ABC, the purchase of the Fox assets, the purchase of Hulu, all of these things have really grown Disney into uh, the platform that it is today as a streamer. 
and both Disney and Amazon, you know, now challenge Netflix in terms of subscriber numbers. Amazon has obviously done this through a service-based uh, sort of business where, you know, you essentially have access to any product or what have you that you want to buy online uh, through the Amazon app or on the Amazon website. And then, of course, they've added the studio. They've bought MGM as, as a studio plus their library. And this has really created three really big players in the space. And, of course, you have the HBO Maxes and, and the Paramount Plus and the Apple Plus and, and all of that. But in terms of subscriber numbers, uh, the, the sort of power play is, is going towards Netflix, Disney, and Amazon. And that's not to say that the content on these other platforms is not great because it is. Uh, there's a lot of good content on HBO Max. They also have the uh, access to um, the sort of streaming first movies where you can watch a movie that would normally be in the theater and now you can watch it at home. Uh, I think that basically they're doing like it was like a, an exclusive 30-day window or what have you. Um and of course, Disney is doing this too. They've had access to uh, premiere access to their content. The difference is that Disney not only charges for access to the platform as a flat fee, and they also bundle it with ESPN Plus and Hulu as an option. But uh, Disney also charges for the premiere access. So you may be paying, you know, seven, eight dollars a month for Disney Plus but then you're going to turn around and have to pay another $21 or what have you to access those premium movies. Now this is no different than Amazon. Amazon does this. I think they charge $19.99 for access to movies uh, generally ranging from movies that they don't have, that they don't own or don't have, you know, direct licensing to, uh, to potentially even new movies where you get early access. But for the most part, once something is on Amazon, it's pretty much accessible to everybody. And then you can have, um, these additional add-ons, if you will, you know, you can have the stars add-on that sort of thing, which uh, was Lionsgate, Liongate's way of getting their content onto a streaming platform. Uh, the stars content, uh, which is essentially the movie arm of Lionsgate. Lionsgate obviously produces its own films, but stars is a big aspect of that. And uh, that's sort of like their add-on to, to Amazon, if you will. Um, their premium content, kind of like an HBO. So that's where we are today. And as I mentioned, you know, Disney offers a bundle uh, service with entertainment media and sports uh, properties that includes Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus. Then you have Viacom CBS, which offers Showtime, CBS All Access, and Paramount Plus. Well, you mentioned that Amazon also owns MGM, the studio, and its large library of content. Uh, that fact alone is fascinating uh, when you think about where MGM started as a studio and being one of the original big players and now being owned, owned by a streamer. Um, not surprising in terms of money because Amazon's a, you know, basically a trillion-dollar company at this point along with Apple. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's just a sort of amazing where content has gone and where it's going. I think uh, Netflix is sort of on this interesting path where when they first started, I think it was like 90 something plus percent of their content was licensed. I think that number has changed dramatically and a lot of their content on their platform is becoming original. And this makes sense, right? Because owned content is a long-term play. 
long-term play towards streaming freedom, freedom, uh, getting away from having to pay significant licensing fees. Uh, and of course, you pay a large fee only to be in a negotiation years down the road uh, looking to secure that content again. But then you've got competitors that want to license that content. Seinfeld, uh, Seinfeld the series is uh, television series is the perfect example of this. It started out on, on Hulu and now it's moved to Netflix exclusively. And there was uh, at other points where it was on different platforms. Uh, owned content also means you can have derivative content that's, that can be copyrighted. So, or better said, that is copyrighted. And derivative content being like, let's say the Avengers series, or let's say you take a character, um, you know, let's say like Better Call Saul, and then the original series that, um, that that came from, you know, Breaking Bad, right? That's derivative content. And when you own something, it makes it a lot easier to use that down the road. So this is kind of the strategy of Netflix. And frankly, it's the strategy of all the platforms. It used to be that a lot of platforms would share content. Um, I think, unfortunately, that's probably going to be less of the case going forward. Uh, I think it's going to be more like streamers become like channels like we had with cable. And then the streaming sort of channels or platforms, if you will, will have their own individual content. But I also think that there is some serious power in the idea of shared content. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you were to talk to any sort of baseball fan, uh, you normally would hear something like, I watched a ton of Braves games going up because they were always on TBS or TNT or what have you, normally TBS, Turner Broadcasting System. Uh, and then you might say something like, or hear something like, oh, I always watch Chicago White Sox or Chicago Bulls games because, you know, WGN, it's, it's where all the, uh, it's where all the Chicago sports content was. Well, that's powerful. And I think that there's a reason why the, the Braves and the Cubs have a national profile. This is something that I really wish that the Dodgers and the Yankees would look at doing and to have sort of a, uh, a broader base network that way. And of course, the downside of the sort of shared content in that way is that people get more access, like the Dodgers used to be on KTLA, which is the local sort of uh, news channel, Channel 5, I think it was. But the thing was, is that you'd lose money, right? Because on one hand, you know, when the Dodgers signed that exclusive deal with, um, with Spectrum and to sort of distribute um, their content on that platform, it really created a situation where they were gaining a lot of money. I think it was an $8 billion deal for 25 years. But of course, you lose, you lose out on subscribers or people that are interested because they can't necessarily access uh, that cable package. And especially in this, and especially in this day and age, and so that re relates back to entertainment because you have this this sort of conflict of, do we distribute it on multiple platforms or do we have it just on one? Um, and I think that's a strategy to think about, right? Now, of course, I think as we're looking forward, streamers will continue to push the boundaries when it comes to what content is streamed. Uh, what I mean by that is that content is becoming increasingly singularly focused. So, so Squid Games, for example, is a, I think it's actually called Squid Game, uh, is a popular Korean-based television show on Netflix. Matter of fact, it's the most 
streamed show as of 2000, September 2021. It's number two internationally right now. Now, that aspect was unthinkable when you're thinking about traditional broadcast television in the past. Or normally what would happen is an American show would be very popular, and then that series would become popular overseas. It was always a one-two step, right? Uh, now, I, it's sort of having a reverse effect where because you have international talent, which you've always had, but now it's just more visible, but you have international talent, you have international platforms or domestic-based platforms that are focusing internationally, and you're really having a lot of these platforms get creative when it comes to, pardon the pun, but uh, get creative when it comes to uh, getting content together that speaks specifically to individuals. Um, and, and I think that's a fascinating new paradigm shift, right? To where, for example, the Squid Game uh, show is uh, about Korean culture, um, but it's also very popular, obviously, in Korea, very popular in Kuwait, Vietnam, and Singapore, as well as in the United States. And again, this is a paradigm shift. This is something that didn't, that didn't happen in the past, but that is the power of streaming, and that's the power of sort of what happens when you have internationally focused streamers and content creatives and creators that are looking for content to reach more people. So again, individualized content is becoming increasingly important. And frankly, it's becoming easier to recognize those interests uh, when you're talking about data collection and privacy uh, law. Because as we talked about last week, uh, we sort of mentioned this idea of uh, platforms essentially having direct access to consumers in terms of collecting data about them. What are you streaming? How much are you streaming? What shows do you like? You know, anytime you, you pop on uh, Netflix or Amazon or Apple Plus, it's going to tell you on their shows that it thinks you're going to like. And ultimately, you might end up watching one of those shows as you're looking for something because it's going to look at what your interests are. So again, it's kind of a, a circular pattern here where these platforms are gaining more information about us as consumers, and then, then in turn developing content to meet, uh, to meet those interests. So when you're thinking about, as the sort of second and final part of the show today, as you're thinking about what platforms to subscribe to, I just wanna share a few deals with you and a few insights with you as you're about to make a decision on what platforms um, you should be looking at. And I think this is where some industry insight will definitely help you. So uh, sort of first looking at this, if you're a student, if you have a .edu email address, you can obtain Spotify Premium, Showtime, and Hulu, the ad-supported version for $4.99 a month. So for five bucks a month, kind of sound like a commercial here, but for five bucks a month, you can obtain Spotify Premium, Showtime, and Hulu, the ad-supported version, if you have a .edu email address. That deal is generally good for two years, and then you can renew it on a second two-year term. So it's, yeah, I think the idea is that you're going to be in a four-year undergraduate program. If you're in a graduate program, you can obtain the deal again through your new email address, your new .edu email address, for the same price of $4.99, uh, and I believe it's also renewable. So I think you probably the max that you can get out of this is um, uh, probably eight years. Uh, so, you know, after a while, you know, that, that email is no longer going to be valid because either the school is going to cancel it or two, it'll be a situation where Spotify just has a maximum that the terms of the deal are that there's a maximum amount on this. So 
just realize that. But of course, this is a great deal when you consider that there's essentially unlimited music and podcasts for Spotify uh, in some ways kind of nullifying CDs and vinyls and everything else, although some of those things are making a comeback, particularly vinyl records. And as a growing content library, we're talking about shows and things like this. Uh, plus, when you look at Showtime, um, uh, probably a well-recognized brand, but not one of the larger brands when it comes to subscribers. But it's a very important platform when you're talking about content. The show Billions, which is great, is on there. The show City on a Hill starring Kevin Bacon, where he acts as a rogue FBI agent in the 1980s in Boston. And a lot of the crazy things that happened there uh, with the mafia and that sort of thing. But um, again, great shows on Showtime. And then plus with Disney, when you're looking at um, um, the uh, Hulu aspect, uh, what's great about that is that essentially you have Disney's library, non-PG library. So the stuff that's not going to be your animated films or your PG related films or rated films, I should say, uh, are going to be on that Hulu platform. So essentially it's a lot of the Fox assets that were purchased by Disney. Secondly, you want to look to your mobile carriers. A lot of mobile carriers have complimentary content uh, subscriptions for their customers. Sprint, for example, provides customers with free Hulu, the ad-supported version. Uh, T-Mobile provides complimentary Netflix and MLB TV subscriptions. They have a thing on um, Tuesday. Every Tuesday, they release new deals and um, you know new subscription deals and this sort of thing, and MLB TV was one of them. So you get that for free. Obviously, remember that there is a blackout uh, thing for MLB TV, meaning that if you're a Dodger fan or an Angel fan or a Padres fan in California, you're generally going to be blocked out if you're living in that county. I actually think the Dodgers actually extends to Orange County as well because their fan base um, is pretty far and wide when it comes to that sense. But um, keep that in mind that T-Mobile does provide complimentary Netflix and MLB, MLB TV subscriptions. Now, by the way, that MLB TV subscription applies to Sprint customers as well because T-Mobile bought Sprint. So think of, so you know consider that when you're looking at different platforms. Verizon provides complimentary access to Disney Plus. AT&T provides complimentary access to HBO Max. That deal may be sunsetting depending on the terms of the AT&T sale of HBO and Warner Brothers to Discovery. Now, in light of that, Discovery may soon be offering a bundle between HBO Max and Discovery Plus. So we'll sort of see how that plays out. Uh, Apple Plus is, has also offered complimentary access to its streaming platform uh, for three months with the purchase of a new Apple iPhone, iPad, iPod Touch, Apple TV, or Mac. Uh, however, that current deal with Apple Plus does not apply to customers who have already used the benefit. So if you've already gotten Apple Plus, I think when you they had a deal for a while where it was if you had a new Apple phone, you would get Apple Plus for a year for free. And then they extended it for like six months or something. And then a lot of these deals too, uh, these companies will offer, if you purchase something in advance, they'll give you a discount. For example, HBO Max, if you purchase in advance, I think they gave you like $20 off or whatever the number was. So, and we'll talk a bit more about that in a bit here as we get towards the end of the show. So think about that. And of course, Apple Plus is a great platform. Ted Lasso starring Jason Sudeikis and the morning show starring Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston are both hit award-winning uh, television series. 
So in closing, I also want to mention American Express. And I feel like, again, I feel like this is a commercial, but just trying to give everybody the insight here. If you use your American Express card, uh, it'll offer rebates for customers who purchase Hulu, HBO Max, and a long list of other streaming services, and frankly, other businesses um, to make the, so if you use your American Express card to make the purchase, you'll get a rebate back on your card discount. I think when I, there was a time where, um, you know, if you used, uh, people would tell me that when they use their American Express, it'd be like a rebate, like on their, um, on their account. So you'd see it on there and you could use that towards another purchase or use it towards paying down your balance or what have you. So think that, you know, think about that, keep that in mind. Um, the American Express option also offers insight into what consumers are doing um, with the rapid increase in, in, in sort of amount, sheer amount of content there is to consume. Often when you ask somebody, what are you watching lately? It's like, man, there's so much content to watch. Well, you usually latch on to a show or two, but uh, consumers, what they're doing in an increasing amount is temporarily, temporarily subscribing to platforms. So platform shopping, if you will. And what they're doing is they're saying, all right, I know HBO Max is going to have the Matrix 4 movie coming out. So I know that when that movie comes out, I'm going to subscribe to the platform for that month at $14.99, which is, by the way, a far better deal than going to the movies, which will cost you $20 at least for the ticket, plus parking, gas, and concession stands, you know, popcorn and drinks and candy. Uh, obviously, theater experience is amazing. Um, I recently went and saw 007. And um, so again, theater experience is amazing, but there is these other options. And I think um, these platforms would behoove them to not only have streaming options, but also in-person options. So we'll see how that plays out uh, in the coming months and years. But again, American Express does offer these deals where you get money off when you, money off when you purchase using one of their credit cards. Um, one of their credit card brands to uh, purchase a streaming platform. So it's, you know, it's interesting when I just mentioned as a closing thought, when I just mentioned this idea of consumers increasingly subscribing to platforms for a short period of time for a month or what have you just to say, because there's no contracts generally with these, unless you're paying for something a year in advance. I'm not even sure you might even be able to get a refund back from that if you were to cancel early, but I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. But if you cancel the service, you'll have to see, but um, you have to look what the terms and conditions are. But the point I want to bring up is that as people are doing this sort of platform shopping for content, um, the one thing to think about is a lot of these streamers now have moved away from just dumping series onto a platform and saying, here's a, here's a series dump. Um, you know, we're going to take uh, these 10 episodes for the season one and just put them on the platform live so people could binge watch. They've gotten away from that. I think partially for health reasons. I mean, at least you would think maybe that it's this idea that you want, you don't want people just binging content all the time. I think maybe the other issue, it's not even maybe the other issue. I think the other issue is a business side, which is probably the most important issue uh, from the business perspective is that you essentially want people on your platform and you want them to come back. So if you, if you do a delayed release, you know, frankly, people are not, they're going to come back because they're going to want to see the show. So Apple plus does this with Ted Lasso and with the morning show, they only released one on one episode a week. 
So it's, it's something you consider is what the platforms are doing in response to binge watching and people doing this sort of platform uh, shopping and, you know, getting on platforms for one month at a time. So it's just a way to keep people engaged. Uh, now, of course, what you could do as a consumer is you could just wait for the for the top streamed movies to come out, particularly related to HBO Max or Netflix for a streaming only movie um, and sort of looking at that aspect and just getting it for that purpose. You could also wait until an entire series is released onto a platform after the delays, um, the purposeful delays, and then you could binge watch it then. Of course, the problem is, is that you'd have to avoid, um, you know, any sort of spoilers that sort of happen. But again, I think that there is a lot of options out there. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, uh, good luck streaming and good luck sort of looking for the content that, uh, that you're interested in. Um, but that's where we are today. There's a ton of these platforms. There's a lot of different options out there. Uh, there's a lot of different series, a lot of different films, uh, but sort of find the best place for yourself. Um, and there's different ways to, um, to stream content when you're talking about whether it be a bundle or some sort of deal that you get through your, your you know, cell phone carrier or some sort of uh, deal that you get directly from the, from, the, um, from the streamer, whether you're buying a year in advance or what have you. But that is this week's show, folks. This, again, has been episode 41 of uh, season three of Believe in Sports Law. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans. Always appreciate you listening in. And thank you again for making the Believe in Sports Law podcast the number one sports law podcast in the world. The show has been brought to you by Bet Online, And we'll look forward to being back with you very soon. Thank you so much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube